0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to the soft power edition of Slate Money, your guide to the business and finance news of the week. This week was the week of International Women's Day. So we're going to talk about international women with an international woman. Um, I am Felix Salmon of Fusion. I have with me in the studio, Mr. Jordan Weissman of Slate. Hello, Felix. And international woman of mystery, Laurel Toby, who is, uh, well, I mean, you're kind of mysterious, really, but (laughs) Laurel, back in the day, for those of us who've been in... um, New York for longer than we care to admit. Laurel was once upon a time famous for feather boas. Now she's more of a early stage investor, entrepreneur type person.
1: Feathering my bed.
2: Ooh, ooh, very clever. <laughs> so welcome, Laurel.
1: Hi, thanks, Felix, for having me on the show.
2: Laurel is also a good friend of Panoply. We're, we're trying to we're trying to bring in the the Toby Fine, like you know family as much as we can into the panoply network if you want to listen to her husband on ink uncensored you can do that too plug um (laughs) and then if you if you if you're if you're really clever you can work out which of the Ink uncensored people is laurel's husband (laughs) (laughs) um but anyway yeah we are going to talk about um this little girl who popped up at the bottom of wall street Earlier this week, thanks to some $2.5 trillion global asset manager, we are going to talk about soft power and the way that the Americans are trying to crack down on places they don't like, like Iran and North Korea by using various um, fines and sanctions and embargoes and whatnot, which is kind of interesting because they've been quite active about that this week. And I think a good place to start is SoftBank. Why yeah. not? Yeah, SoftBank, soft power, SoftBank.
3: So, what is SoftBank, Jordan? It's a just g- giant Japanese conglomerate. It's kind of a throwback to the 80s. Well, it was actually founded in the 80s, but um, we like characters on the show, we like eccentric billionaires. And,. Uh, especially ones who are on the verge of becoming kind of a household name and i think there there's the head or the founder of softbank billionaire named masayoshi sun is maybe on the verge of becoming kind of a little famous in the u.s
2: um he's he,
1: trying he's definitely yeah he's, trying. he's working
3: on
2: it <laughs> he's he yeah this is a man who has been a household name in japan and Certainly. china for a very long time and now he's
3: tired of being big in japan and he wants to be big here too um and did you know
2: by the way if you have a sprint cell phone like he owns your cell phone
3: company yeah absolutely and he wants to own more than your cell phone but we'll get to that uh he wants to own like your thoughts like literally wants to own your thoughts (laughs) he's really into telepathy that's we're gonna get to that Uh, (laughs) yeah so so you might remember him um from this kind of press event he did with donald trump not too long ago he showed up at trump tower and and told don told our president that he was going to invest 50 billion dollars in the united states because Trump had won, and was going to deregulate, etc., and that was it was kind of BS. What was really going on was that uh, you know SoftBank had planned this investment fund with Saudi Arabia some months before, where they were basically going to pool 100 billion dollars to uh a venture capital money together. And which Trump- is,
2: by the way, like, I mean, like whether or not this predated or postdated the Trump administration, the fact that this guy who's like. A crazy tech billionaire from Japan managed to persuade Saudi Arabia to give him fifty billion dollars to throw into venture capital in America. It's kind of impressive. It's an,
1: also an enormous amount of money. For I mean, it's almost impossible for them to deploy that much money in venture capital. Well, so it's not. <laughs> it's
3: not just venture. It's right. also like they're probably going to be trying to do some M and A takeovers, and this is sort of his specialty. I mean, he started this company. I frankly, I can't even remember exactly what it began as in, I think, 1981, though. And it just kind of it just kind of branched into different parts of tech it was and it was a
2: software company was that's it, it's called was, software.
3: was it actually yeah. oh no it was like selling software it was yeah. like yeah it was but it was like ancillary it wasn't like they were developing code or things like that and so and now you know they own things like sprint they have an 80 percent share in sprint and at one point they tried to merge it with t-mobile um they have uh AR,
2: I think they own arm there though they maybe may be st- selling it soon the they, giant chip they they, they 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 bought ARM for $32 billion. They have um, a huge portfolio and in a very kind of Warren Buffetty way. Um, their b- portfolio comprises both publicly listed equities and yeah. actual companies. So a lot of his billions comes from I bought a bunch of stock in Alibaba, and that's why I'm very rich. Or he also controls Yahoo! Japan, which is this you know huge publicly listed company. But he also You know, owns companies. He'll do anything. He's a good old fashioned like people call him a telecoms mogul. And I think if you have to um, call him anything, I think a telecoms mogul is probably a good description because telecoms moguls in general tend to be very good at these kind of playing around in securities markets and M and A and that kind of
3: stuff. Absolutely. And so, and you know, I just we were mentioning telepathy. So obviously, he's (laughs) so he's this he's this mogul. I know what you're going to say. Yeah. Well. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, that uh, was teed up perfect. Yeah, I really you was. You guys have practiced that. So,
3: so this guy, he's quirky. Um, he has you know, a 200 year business plan for his company. I
1: thought it was 300. Oh, 300. Years. Sorry. Yeah, 300. He
3: wants to, he has a plan to try and expand his own life to 200 years, which
1: sort of like Peter Thiel,
3: well, right? <laughs> this is, so this Well, this he's
2: really Tony Stark. I think he wants this thing. He wants this company, which just has fingers in every pie, And he wants a parent. And, and Laurel,
3: you sent us this article from a former employee <laughs> of his that said his grand plan is to control the world's data. He wants all of the data, which presumably will be generated partly by telepathy. Um, <laughs> He's so, thinking ahead. So my question about this guy is, is he just like... Is he just like sort of a Japanese Peter Thiel type? Is he kind of a belie- what? What do we make of this person who is now about to just throw money around the U.S. investment market? Like, it's, what is? It's
1: a little nuts. I mean, it, it, who is he modeling himself after? Elon Musk? I, I mean, who? So who I think, does he I think, think, think he is?
2: So who he, does he, he has think he is? said good things about Warren Buffett. I think. I think he. Everybody he says looks, good things about <laughs> Warren, <laughs> 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 Warren <laughs> Buffett. No, but he looks Nobody at what Warren, Warren Buffett, Buffett <laughs> did with industrial companies in the twentieth century, and he's saying, "I want to do the same thing with technology companies and telecommunications companies." What they call TMT back in the olden days telecommunications media and technology in the 21st century and he's look and he's all, trying to be one step ahead he is also unusually among tech people very happy to leverage himself up and raise a lot of debt he has 160 oh,
1: your billion topic.
2: dollars of debt which is which is very very rare in in the tech world to have that much debt he it almost was his undoing during the dot com bust in 2000 he lost basically all of his money in 2000. But he came out the other side, recovered. And so he has just an incredible ambition to sort of take over the world. And so I don't see that kind of cross-industry ambition in any of the sort of Peter Thiel's and Elon Musk's necessarily. They like to build companies. He's kind of vaguely interested in building companies, but he, he's just as happy just buying them. The you deal know? maker.
3: Well, so the money, Laurel, you, you brought up just the sheer size Of his his investment fund right now,
1: yeah. Is that a is it? I mean, that just is it
3: good to have that much money sloshing around? And like, should one man have all that power?
1: No. (laughs) And um, if you look at the other funds that have been raised in the U.S., at least uh, VC funds, there are none that are that big. Uh, So for him to deploy that much capital into the U.S. or anything close to it would. Although it it remains to
2: be seen whether he's actually going to spend that much money in the U.S. I mean, remember that he's he could his, go all, all of his yeah. big home run investments have been outside the U.S., and I'm sure he's he going to continue to invest, to invest in China in certain
1: and, technologies that are that the U.S. dominates in: Internet of Things, robotics, artificial intelligence. He believes that humans, that robots will outnumber humans in 30 years.
2: I mean, one of the interesting things about Sun is that he's incredibly good at. I guess what Bill Gross would call shaking hands with the government. Yes. Um, that he's done this very successfully in Japan. He's done this in Korea. He's done this in China. And it's very, very rare for someone to be able to do this in China and Japan. These t- uh, two <laughs> countries which don't normally play well together. And um, and now he's doing it in America with Trump. Um, people are saying that he has a very sort of short-term tactical aim here, which is that Sprint wants to buy T-Mobile Um that it's very hard for either of those companies to compete with the two big guys unless they merge, but the competition authorities in the U.S. have been kind of looking askance at this idea and basically signaling that they don't want to approve it. Donald Trump could probably make it go through. Yeah, And maybe this is... Or, or he's waving all of this money in the general direction of the U.S. just to try and get Sprinted by T-Mobile.
1: That's such a small. I mean, I mean, how can you give him such a small ambition? <laughs> really, really, Felix, I'm offended for, for him.
2: So, what's his big ambition? I mean. Besides telepathy and literally owning the world's data? I mean, he's
3: actually an Avengers villain, like, as he's described himself. So, okay, so, he's so, one so, step from Ultron. So, like. so, Laurel,
2: I mean, on a scale from, like, good to bad, like, good to evil, is he, is he, a, is he a, like, a force for good in the world, or is he a force for the consolidation of power, and he's a, a villainous sort of Peter Thiel type?
1: Well, you know my opinion on all billionaires.
2: What's your opinion on all billionaires?
1: I love them. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all billionaires are good billionaires, except for maybe Vladimir Putin.
1: <laughs> yeah, ex- except for him. Um, well, I used to be a, f- a business journalist. And back then, when I made no money and I thought, uh, you know, I thought all business people were evil, you know. But now
2: i am and, th- and, th- and now you're rich. You think that all <laughs> rich people are good.
1: I'm not rich by any means, <laughs> or by any stretch of the imagination but uh, definitely not a journalist anymore. I would,
2: I would quibble with this idea that you're not rich, but we will get to the question <laughs> of what constitutes rich in a, in a future in a future podcast. In a future segment mm-hmm. because I feel like we should move on to, well, what should we talk about? Let's talk about soft power after soft bank.
0: Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases. And
3: 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual
0: card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply.
2: So soft power, this is my like nerdy news of the week. Yeah. It didn't get a huge amount of coverage, but there were For two... Good reason. Thank no, but you, Laura. It's
1: a big deal. It actually it, it is
2: what,
3: a big deal.
1: Is it a big deal? It is. I mean, they only blocked... Well, I'll let okay. you know, start. So,
2: yeah. so, so there are two little news snippets which you might have missed. Um, one is that there's this Chinese company called ZTE, which is... You probably haven't heard it, but it's actually the fourth largest maker of cell phones, smartphones sold in the United States. It goes Apple, um, Samsung, LG, and then ZTE. they They make a lot of smartphones, they sell them all over the world, and they were using the technology, or they were taking the technology, which they were using in their smartphones, and they were quietly selling it to the Iranians. Turns out that's not allowed under American law. And the Americans found out about this, even though the, the the Chinese were quite careful to like delete all of their emails after 24 hours and this kind of stuff. And um, the Americans found out about it and started saying, we're going to find you. And the Chinese started saying, we're Chinese, come and get us. And there was this big sort of standoff until the Commerce Department came in and said well, if you don't let us fine you, we're just going to ban Qualcomm from selling you any chips. And then they were like, okay, you can fine us. And then they settled with a $892 million fine, which was probably not coincidentally very similar to the uh, $975 million fine that the Chinese fined Qualcomm two years ago. So it's all like tit for tat. Um, But the point here is that the Americans have geopolitical reasons why they want to isolate Iran economically, and they are happy to use their sort of financial power in terms of being able to find companies and regulate global commerce because ultimately, if a Chinese company wants to deal with an Iranian company, it's not obvious why the U- Americans should be able to control that, but they can and they do The other thing which also happened is that Swift, which is a Belgian company which basically helps to um move money around the world between banks, um, found out that three North Korean banks were using SWIFT to transfer money in and out of North Korea, which again, the Americans were like, you can't do that. That's North Korea. And we don't allow people to, you know, even if they're Belgian to do things with North Korea. And so they slapped down SWIFT and find them in the UN got very upset and that kind of thing. So the point here is that the Americans are really meddling in international commerce for their own geopolitical ends.
3: So the other the other part of the Swift story is that Swift itself then kicked three North Korean banks off of the system. And Felix for for given your your love of hyperbole, I'm actually kind of surprised how you kind of undersold Swift. I mean, this is this is the they're kind of like the arteries of the global financial system. All the money they are the one who control payments and transfers between banks. They are if you are cut off from Swift, you cannot function in the in the financial system. And what's interesting about this is the first time Swift really cut off a country was Iran. This was a while back when the US and EU sanctioned um, sanctioned Iran Swift cut off the entire country and that is was basically dropping the nuke financially on the Iranians it left them having to barter like they were bartering oil things like that for food <laughs> I mean like that is what it reduced their economy to and now you're seeing sort of a repeat of that begin again with North Korea
2: well I mean so so you're you're seeing it and you've seen it with North Korea the Swift basically told all of the North Korean banks that they weren't allowed to use the system, they effectively cut it off. And then, weirdly, and I don't entirely understand how this happened, uh, three North Korean banks were like, oh, we're not allowed to use SWIFT? Hey, we're just going to use it anyway. And they used it anyway. And eventually, SWIFT was like, okay, we're kicking you off the system instead of just not allowing you to use the system. (laughs) But, But yeah, North Korea and Iran are both, to all intents and purposes, banned from using SWIFT.
1: I mean, how much business are they doing through SWIFT anyway with other countries? I didn't None. realize... None.
2: That was the whole point. Now, been yeah. Banned. Yeah. I didn't
1: realize that North Korea had that much international import-export business or... Well, it does with coal, things like that in China.
3: Yeah. And uh, Iran, yeah. Iran, Iran was. China. Iran was a heavy expo- oil exporter. And now yeah. it's getting to do it again because they've been reconnected. But I do think it's interesting. When we talk about U.S. soft power. This is like when soft power almost verges on hard power, right? right? This is when... OK, we're not literally launching a Scud missile at you, but we are going to reduce your economy to a non-functional pre-modern financial state. Um, or we have the power to do that as long as this, this company, Swift, is willing to go along with it. And they're starting to show the willingness to do that
2: and, more often. And the point is that America is pretty much the only country in the world which has this power the the belgians even though swift is technically a belgian company like the belgians couldn't wake up one morning and say we want to punish the congo or you know and, <laughs> and 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 then cut them off and swift would be like oh okay congo you're cut off like it has it's only it's only the americans who can do this partly because every single international financial institution needs to have some kind of a presence in new york because all financial and transactions in one way or another become dollarized at some point along the chain but the 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 question is like if the united states becomes a little bit more sort of isolationist and um unpopular globally like will it still be able to wield this awesome power that it has
1: no
3: why not care to make the (laughs) argument (laughs) why
1: not i just don't think that um I, i i think if we step back and and stop being engaged stop engaging in the world and world economic policies and world uh, affairs as we seem to be doing that we're not going to be able to exercise soft power in any way shape or form
2: and then the and then the, so i guess yeah. the follow-up question is that a good thing or a bad thing is it good that america can basically police the world like this and use its power to punish entire countries or or ultimately if china wants to do business with iran should they be able to
3: You know, my stance on this is, A, (laughs) um, I'm skeptical that we're ever going to retreat so far from global affairs that we, you know, our sheer
1: size isn't going to give us that. Look at our budget. I mean, look at the budget that we're setting right now for, um, we're going to disengage, so the military budget, for example.
3: Well, military budget's going up, they want.
1: It's going up, but the soft power stuff is going down.
3: Yeah, they want like to polish half like, of
2: the State Department.
3: Yeah, but <laughs> I still, but that isn't going to change the fact that fundamentally we are the center of the global financial system. Like that's that's not going to change anytime soon. Donald Trump would have to really fuck things up badly for that to change. I mean, who knows? Maybe he could. Maybe maybe he could reduce the whole you know U.S. financial system to rubble and think people would start to rethink whether or not they want like the dollar to be the world's reserve currency. But so long as like the world runs on the dollar, I think we are going to have a you know a a a lever in swift um and be able to use that and also
2: at- not just swift is it, you know as we've seen with with this fine on cte you know like if and you know if a chinese company wants to deal with the iranians we can punish them like via the commerce department
3: well, in that case i think though isn't part of the legal issue there that cte would is listed as a, in America. It like they they did the Alibaba thing where they listed on. I American don't think stage. it has
2: anything to do with ZTE's shares. It just ha- the main thing is that it has to do with the fact that we live in a globalized economy, and the Americans told, you know, basic, basically threatened ZTE with banning all U.S. companies from supplying anything to them. Um, this is good old fashioned, you know, mercantilist sort of like we, you know, we're going to like hit your supply chain. I guess
3: there are geopolitical issues like whether or not a a country that sponsors terrorism gets nukes that I think sort of merit uh, stopping up the free flow of capitalism once in a while. I I, I can't get too worked up about it, I guess, personally. That's just me.
1: But why would they stop like phone parts from being exported. Them. I mean, that just makes no sense. I mean, that's just hitting the people, right? It's not hitting the military industrial complex or well, anything like that.
3: It's hitting a company that did business with Iran. And the point is they wanted to isolate Iran. And so that's the, you know, it's indirect. I agree that it's sort of roundabout, but it, it sort of seems like an absurd result. But if your goal is to make, make a country radioactive, metaphorically, not literally. It seems then... to have
1: worked too, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Um, but getting back to my point about uh, the military budget, they really are reducing all of the programs that made people love us around the world, and when they continue to do that, I think that that affects us. That hurts the U.S. That hurts our reputation. It hurts, you know, all those people who hated us after we went into Iraq. <laughs> we so, we had a chance with them. We could so, bring them back under the into the fold. Slowly.
2: I I feel a segue coming on here. This idea that like a large hegemonic global force (laughs) is going to try and you know make people love it is going to be the subject of our next segment (laughs) (laughs) seriously (laughs) this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines with Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24 7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quitgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Laurel. Yes. Felix. The Americans love to be loved or used to love to be loved before we elected Donald Trump. Um, as does this large corporation called State Street Global Investors.
1: Tell me about it.
2: So who are they and what have they gone done?
1: So State Street Global Advisors uh, is the third largest asset manager in the world. Um, And they have decided to take on gender inequality on boards, which is... As a
2: kind of like pet issue.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And they started doing it back in 2015, 2016. So last year... Uh, They announced that they were going to do a spider, an ETF that was based on gender diversity. Uh, So they were going to create an ETF all around um, companies that have gender diversity. And then one year to the day later, they've announced that they are going to hold the the Russell 3000 companies feet to the fire. They're going to actually use their proxy voting power to make sure that these companies have more than one, two, three women on the board. And right and now, they don't have any women on the boards. So A, of a
2: lot of them don't have any women yeah. on the boards. And I, my, my view of this is, is rather less um, yeah. rosy. I feel like their gender diversity ETF was, you know, the... 2016 pub- International Women's Day publicity stunt, which got absolutely no traction and has about $5 under management.
1: Which is maybe why they're putting a little statue down on Wall Street And now, and now
2: <laughs> and That then, worked and then, fabulously. And the 2017 International Women's Day stunt um, involved putting a installing a statue opposite the um, famous bull statue down at the bottom of Wall Street um, of a little girl, which I have no idea quite what this all means but it got a huge amount of press it's, it's and a, i saw it being retweeted into my feed a million times
3: <laughs> it's a fearless little gr- it's a brass sculpture of a little girl staring down the wall street bull staring down the the ag- the aggressive macho visage of american capitalism with nary a care in the world it's
1: it's, it's it's felix are you saying you don't believe that companies should have more females on boards and that and that whole msci that's a market index provider that did their research a couple of years back that said that um, companies with more female executive uh, staff performed better. You don't believe that?
2: Oh, I totally believe that. And (laughs) I I believe that the Russell 3000 doesn't have enough women board members. I believe that the Russell 3000 doesn't have enough female executives. But can I just explain here? I will push back on that. Jordan will push back on that. (laughs) Can
1: I just say, like, you, you are so skeptical. You're a terrible skeptic. You should really... Just embrace State Street. What other, big asset, <laughs> what other big asset manager in the world is doing this? Okay, this well, I want to kiss them.
2: And I want to ask you what they are doing, because if you actually look at what they are doing, this idea of they're cracking down on companies which don't have lots of female board members, this is totally not true. Let me tell you what they are actually doing.
1: Yeah, tell what me they what they're actually, actually doing, because I read up on it too.
2: Is that they have announced... That in a year's time, like they're doing actually nothing right now, but in a year's time, if these companies with no female board members, if you have one, it's fine. If you have zero female board members, then as of a year from now, if you still have zero board members and you can't persuade State Street that you have made moves to get more female representation on your board, then if and when the chairman of your nominating committee gets re-nominated for a board seat, they will vote against that individual. <laughs> I mean, come on. Okay,
1: okay. Uh, fair, fair. <laughs> but I mean, at least they're doing something, right? I no, mean, I feel go- like
2: at least they're doing something is like the lowest possible... What, okay, so what should, put put do? Do? Well, what should they do? What should, divest active- should no, they, they Divest completely? No, should they divest? No, divesting does no good at all. So
3: I, I guess there, there's a bigger issue about this whole thing It just kind of bugs me, um, which is this notion that Whenever there's a, a good a, a good social cause, like just gender equity, getting women on on boards, it's just like a good thing period. I think it's like a a, a, uh, a priori good thing. People always feel compelled to make a business case for it, too. There has to be a business case why women are on boards, and that's how this has kind of evolved, right? It's like, well, companies with women on boards make more money. And this whole idea is kind of based on um, basically some research done by some consulting firms that really it's it's kind of crude. The research, once actual academics have kind of looked into it, it doesn't hold up. You know, when you actually do more sophisticated regressions to try to, you know, control for all the, uh, you know, different variables, there's really, it doesn't seem to have... No much causal the relation. There's no causal relation. Exactly. There's no obvious... Thing that having women on on boards it's just does a
1: coincidence. It,
3: well, to some, I think I think to some extent it. I, I you know it's hard to say you know organizationally yeah. what it would do, especially since boards oftentimes are so weak to begin with. Right. Oftentimes the boards themselves are basically sinecures that don't have much of an oversight role. So I think it's like it's we should have women on boards because in so far as just having equity, you know, gender equity in in our power structure and in America. But the idea that State Street doing this for the benefit of shareholders or anything, it's just like. It just kind of perpetuates this like and weird idea. And plus the
2: other thing is that they're acting actually where it's going to make the least amount of difference. If you go from having zero women on your board to having one woman on your board, and then like, once you have one woman, it's like, okay, now you're off our shit list. You know, that actually doesn't make much that's difference. True. Where it makes a difference is when you have more than 30%. Right. Once right. once female representation on the board goes above 30%, that's when the women start getting actual power and being able to influence the company. I don't Bet.
1: think they said that they're going to be happy if you have more no, not No, I'm not saying I mean, they, said I think they they're going to be happy. they're pushing for 30%. They're, they're, they pushing, would love more, pushing.
2: but the only time they're actually going to do something... And remember that the worst they're threatening... Is to vote against the re-election of the chairman of the nominating committee. I mean, this is not exactly like nuclear power here, but like the worst that they're threatening, they're only going to do to boards to, to women with to, to companies with yeah, no but women they don't, on the board. If boards.
1: nobody takes any stand and they did give some prescriptive measures that can be taken, which are Which are going you know, some to be completely, completely
2: ignored because no one cares what State Street says about prescriptive measures.
1: So one of the measures that I liked that uh, they brought forward was that you have to assess the current ge- level of gender diversity on the board and within management rights. Um, you have to address behavioral gender bias in the director's search and the nomination process. I think that's really, really interesting. They're they're actually saying, go beyond, oh, we can't find any girls for this job. Of to, course. Yeah, like,
2: you, 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 sh- you should so- totally do this. And almost every company will pay lip service to these kind of ideals. And I approve of that. And I think all <laughs> companies should do that. And I think investors should make noises about that and i don't think that a stupid publicity stunt I with a girl putting, on wall street makes any difference well, i
1: i don't know i think they're trying to be models they have three women on their board now how um, many board members do they have like 10 or 11 so no but they have three women one was uh brought on board in 2015 recently but the other two have been there since 2000 and uh 2006. So, You know, they've been, I think those women have been agitating for years to, for State Street to take a stand and they're taking a stand. And now
2: that we have the weakest possible stand, which by the way, this stand, which you're calling a stand, which is such a weak and pathetic stand, is also (laughs) being done mostly in the interests of marketing. You know, yeah, this, they have this to get, get that spider off the girl. ground. That, that the, ETF
1: really has to and do
2: that. Was coming bull and the yeah, like the it's, sculpture it's like, was actually like, an advertising firm came up with it. Exactly, it was it was invented by an well, ad. company. Who else company. was gonna
1: come up with it?
2: It's like sub-banksy
1: <laughs> symbolism. I mean, really? Um, you know something else it's that so I weak. something else I like about State Street. They, I'm not
2: going to give them credit for their marketing campaign. Can I, I just will, say something? I am going to give them an yeah. entire Look segment at this, on, report. On Look at state this money.
1: report they did t- like a year or two ago. You know, in again, they're putting their money where their their mouths are. How much money? I don't know how much it costs, but they did this whole addressing gender folklore study, which I thought was interesting. They they,
2: they released a study. How is that putting your money where your mouth is? they paid a consultant to do it. Because they're.
1: <laughs> Because they're teeing things up so that they can make this huge change, and I think their next step is going to be to put to uh, take money out of the companies that aren't that don't have women running.
2: them. I'll believe like, that when I see well, that. That would actually be fa- okay. So if that I think happens, their
1: next step. I think they're easing their way that. Yeah, their, th- th- their into next that. step
2: in like fifty years' time. No,
1: in fifty years' time, two thousand five five, fifty percent of uh, board members will be women, according to the current uh, trajectory that we're on.
3: If if past trends continue. Yeah. But before we leave the subject. Can because we do like to talk about art on this show. Can we just talk about the
2: sculpture for a second? It's I so like beautiful. it. I
1: think it should stay. It's beautiful, I, but you know. But if I were, I don't know. If well, I it's had to it's a- certainly
2: better than that fucking bull.
1: If I had to approach it though from a gender, you know, perspective, yeah. I would say, why couldn't it be just an adult woman? <laughs> why are we always made into children? Why do we have to smile all the time? <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. No. If, uh, artistically, it has. Very what? little. Why merit.
1: couldn't it oh. be a woman instead oh, no. of a child? I I, I, just don't understand I like that.
3: the surrealness of it. The little girl with the bull coming at her. I think it's. I think it's good. And people are people are like, what is this about? It it makes it more confusing.
2: Um, yeah. In this kind like of that comment, it, 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 it makes everyone more <laughs> stupid. <laughs> yeah, I
1: don't understand that.
2: But. yeah, I'm. I said I said sub Banksy symbolism before, and I'm sticking with sub Banksy symbolism.
0: <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.
1: Um. So my number is two hundred and fifty petabytes. That's the two hundred and fifty petabytes per gram of DNA that um, can now be stored in uh in the sugar cube. Isn't that cool?
2: So what we're talking about here is this technology where people have been able to put like a French movie and an Amazon gift card into uh, like they've coded it into DNA, which can be replicated. And of course, if you can re- replicate it perfectly, which you can, you can store it all over the world very easily. And then you can...
1: How come you know more about my number than I do?
2: Take, take the information out with a great expense. There's no like... This isn't what you call a fast storage mechanism. It takes a lot of time and effort to put it on. It sounds
3: like something that Masayoshi-san would really <laughs> be I,
2: I can guarantee you that somewhere in his portfolio, Masayoshi-san is looking into DNA as a data storage mechanism. He's I li- bet you
3: guys He's going to replicate himself, his brain across the world and store it in places like... Uh, anyway, sorry. I bet
1: you guys don't have a bigger number than I, than mine.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I have a smaller number. My number is 650,000. Which is the number of pounds that George Osborne is being paid by BlackRock for one day a week of work? Um, actually, that's it's, it's rather more than that because he's getting a, an equity grant and various other things. Um, for those of you who don't remember, George Osborne was an entirely forgettable <laughs> British finance minister, um, you know, up until not too long ago, and he's still an MP, and he's now making. 10 times his MP salary by doing this like four day a month random like get wheeled out at conferences job for BlackRock. That's like that's like a
3: fucking crazy version of the corruption that goes on in New York State government.
2: Like, (laughs) Except like it's done on the level of a guy you used to anyway. George Osborne I mean like I, I know this because I'm English but he was this kind of joke of a finance minister. Everyone would like laugh at him. He looks the part though. He, but he doesn't, he looked like he's just the most gormless chancellor we've ever had. <laughs> no one could really take him did seriously. You say
1: gormless? gormless? I did. It's a good yeah. word.
2: Well done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, well done George for your like 800 K sinecure.
3: Way to get that money. Okay. So my number is 520. Um, that is the number of staff, of uh, beachhead staff, the Trump administration says it has hired at the various federal agencies. Beachhead staff are basically spies, or they're guys who kind of like set the stage for populating the the the, are the these, agencies. Are it's, these the
1: ones eliminating all the data from the databases? Well, so Propublica
3: maybe some of them, but so ProPublica, it's the you know great investigative nonprofit journalism outfit. Went naturally found out who these people were, and I just want to read you. The description of the man who has been sent to accompany Steve Mnuchin at the Treasury Department.
2: So he's like, he has to like walk around wherever Steve Mnuchin goes.
3: Not clear. I I really want to find out more about how this guy is involved in Steve's life. But so (laughs) this guy, this is a man named John Perdue. This is ProHublica's description. John Perdue. A self-described guerrilla warfare expert and fellow at a little-known security think tank wrote a book called, quote, The War of All the People, The War of Latin American—or the Nexus of Latin American Radicalism and Middle Eastern Terrorism. He is also a one-time contributor to Breitbart. Purdue was featured on CNBC's reality series, Make Me a Millionaire Inventor, for his invention, the pack bow, which Purdue came up with while studying, quote, collapsed societies and what people who lived in those societies came up with to either defend themselves or to survive. It's a bow and arrow that doubles as a compass, tent pole, walking stick, spear fishing rig, and water <laughs> purification <laughs> tablet receptacle. Purdue was hired as a special assistant at the Treasury
2: Department. I feel like the one wow. thing that Treasury has always lacked has been preppers. <laughs> nice. Like, we have never had a lot of preppers at Treasury, and it'll be interesting can to see. Can you fucking imagine what this guy would have been like in 2008?
1: <laughs> <Just like, laughs>
2: Shit's going down, man.
1: Get the bow. <laughs> Get
2: the fat bow. On I wonder, I wonder yeah. if he's
1: also uh, bought some property in New Zealand, too. Oh, my God. I-
2: I'm sure he's encoded a bunch of Bitcoin into DNA. <laughs> <laughs> on that note. Okay, I think that's it. I think that's all we have time for this week. Thank you for putting up with us for another week. Many, many thanks to Laurel for turning up and doing her Laurel thing, which was awesome and is awesome. Um, and many thanks as well to Zach Dynastine who produced this, or Dinerstein, or Stein or something. Stein is dinner, what, how dinner. I call him. To Zach, winner, winner, chicken dinner. <laughs> and to um, Andy Bowers and Steve Ligtai and G- John June Thomas and everyone else who I can't pronounce. Next week I will have taken my pronunciation lessons and I will I will be better at pronouncing things. Um, in the meantime, check out all of the Panoply podcasts at um, Panoply.fm. Leave us a review on the iTunes Store. Email us on SlateMoney at slate.com, and we will talk to you next week on Slate. Money ain't nothing but a sheet It Ain't nothing but a sheet It Ain't nothing but a sheet It Ain't nothing but a sheet like. Ain't nothing but a she you